Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Troubling Issues. This is a podcast about comics for everyone, whether you like comics or not. Every fortnight, we read a single issue of a comic book and talk about it in somewhat ridiculous detail to hopefully entertain and inform you about it and a heap of other stuff. If you want to, you can read along with the comic, but you don't have to. Now, this comic we read may be good, it may be bad, or it may be a little bit crazy, but it will definitely be noteworthy. I'm Brad Daniels, comic writer, artist, and fan, and this week's guests are Brayden and Belinda from You, Me, and a Poltergeist from the fantastic That's Not Canon uh, podcast network, which I'm also a part of. Yay! Ooh. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Oh, that was a pretty spooky intro, too. <laughs> yeah. Very on brand for us. <laughs> uh, cool. It's ghost noises. <laughs> <laughs> we are, in fact, just ghosts. Yeah, you, you did it automatically. I mean, I think you did, there was no pre-planning there. It was just like, woo! Like, oh, my God. Uh, I'm spooked out already. Now, I've uh, listened to your podcast a fair bit, and I know you love spooky stuff, but uh, beyond that, I don't know much about you. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, Braden and Belinda? Sure. Shall I go first, Belinda? You can go first, Braden. Okay, thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm Braden. I am a co-host of the You Mean a Poltergeist uh, podcast, as we discussed. Uh, been thoroughly enthused and enjoying uh, talking about all things spooky. Um, and that enthusiasm comes from a life of perhaps uh, some spooky events, but I'm still kind of on the fence whether or not now <laughs> there were actually spooky events or perhaps I'm, I don't know, I've imagined everything. Uh, mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just, I do enjoy comics as well. So I'm, I'm assuming we're going to get into that eventually, but uh <laughs> I've, yeah, we've been uh, podcasting for a good 74 episodes. I, mean, I think we've only missed like two or three weeks. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, but it's been a journey and we're happy to be on uh, Troubling Issues and uh, chatting to you, Brad. Uh, thank you very much. I guess Belinda. I'm Belinda. I'm Belinda. There's, there's a distinct difference between Braden and I. Um <laughs> We were a couple and we do, yeah, I'm on You Mean a Poltergeist as well as one of the hosts and I feel like I've had some paranormal experiences in my life and that's why I love paranormal stuff and scary stuff. I love horror movies and I don't know, I love all things spooky. So when I saw the title for this comic, I was like, Ooh, oh, yeah. this is great. I'm on board with this. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think there's much else about me that's very interesting. <laughs> oh, okay, well. Harsh words there from Belinda for herself. <laughs> uh, that's cool. I'm sure there's many interesting things about you, but uh, maybe you don't want to share them because they're too spooky. 
Uh, Way too spooky. We wouldn't be able to handle it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, and I'll ask one more question before we get into actually talking about a comic book. Uh, and that is, what is your relationship with comics? Uh, do you like them? Do you not like them? Do you read them? Do you not want to know what they are? What do you reckon? Belinda, why don't you start? Because I know you're going to be shorter <laughs> than what mine is. I personally only thought that comics existed in movies or in America because <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> I met my brothers I've got two older brothers and they they weren't into comics or anything definitely the superheroes absolutely on board with superheroes and superhero movies but never any different types of comics or stuff we've we always had the goosebump books growing up and Dr Seuss and you know Roald Dahl but we never had like comics so I I didn't realize they were an actual thing until I was a teenager for sure. <laughs> wow, just a figment of the imagination of the world. <laughs> I thought it was just something that existed in America or movies. <laughs> oh well, they are de- well. To be honest, they really they do exist in America. They but do. They, also, they do. They also exist here and just about everywhere. But really, just there. You were you were halfway right. You were halfway right. Yeah. Oh. Um, oh, that's some great stuff. As for me, I mean, I had a real obsession with a superhero. I'm sure you definitely know him, Brad. Doctor Strange as a child. Oh, my God. <laughs> Doctor Strange is, is the bomb. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know how or why I came to like Doctor Strange so much, but I was, yeah, I, I think just maybe the fact that he's kind of like a regular guy. Like he isn't like superhuman in any nature, but he's like magic. And for some reason, I really enjoyed magic sort of uh, magicians and whatnot. So mm-hmm. Dr. Strange was like right up my alley as a child. I'd do all those weird hand symbols or hand uh, <laughs> signs that he'd do. <laughs> so good. Uh, Dr. Strange was made by, I was written by Steve Stanley originally and drawn by Steve Ditko, which are the same people who made up uh, Spider-Man. No. Yeah. And, uh, there's like Steve Ditko is a very uh, straight laced sort of guy. He's what what you uh, and he's an objectivist, uh, you know, follower of Anne Rand, 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 Rand? yeah, Anne Rand, uh, this philosopher, which is all about you know rich people deserve all the money they get, poor people are lazy, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But the the art he did in those old comics were just so far out and psychedelic, like a hippie would do. Yes. It just really set up the whole thing really well. Yeah. I I don't know whether I, at the time I was, like, really enjoying Doctor Strange as a child. I could even read comic books that well. I think my <laughs> my reading wasn't quite there, but I did enjoy the pictures, and maybe that was because that, that sort of plays into it, all of it, because of uh, how sort of colourful and interesting they were. Yeah, they were really, really imaginative and, yeah, like I said, psychedelic. And the guy was not a drug user, but he just, like, <laughs> did all these really wild, imaginative demon dimensions and all sorts of stuff. Oh, crazy stuff. What did you think yeah. of the film? Yeah, oh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I went and saw it with him and he was, like, <laughs> holding my hand the whole time, like, clenching, like, when something fun would happen. I was like, he's enjoying himself oh so much. And I'm there trying really hard not to fall asleep. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, tale as old as time. Uh, love it. Okay. 
Well, we're going to do something which is not Doctor Strange related. So if I had known uh, that you were that keen, Braden, we, we could have sent Blinder to sleep with doing a Doctor Strange comic. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Maybe another uh, But we're doing Tales from the Crypt, number 46, from February 1955, uh, published by EC Comics, written by Carl Wesler and Al Feinstein, and illustrated by Jack Davis, George Evans, Joe Orlando, and Graham Ingalls. Uh, now, this is a old comic, 1955. Uh, can I do maths? Is 65 years old? Is that right? Yeah, that sounds about that right. Sounds, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, Older than my dad. Oh, boy. Uh, and uh, we'll just um, jump into doing the describing. Now, there are four four stories in this comic because it's a anthology horror series. And I, I picked it for you guys. Well, my th- I had two uh, two trains of thought here. One was I wanted to get some publicity for my Kickstarter, which I was doing for, uh, like, I take old comics and I change the words and turn them into co- comedy comics, like from horror to comedy or science fiction <laughs> to comedy. But we, we that's actually over now, so it's too late to publicize that. Oh, no. <laughs> that's okay. It was very successful, so hey, hey. Uh, Congratulations. Uh, and the other thing is, I knew you guys like spooky stuff, yeah. so I wanted to get some of these um, these EC horror comics back in the day. So finding one which would be uh, suitable or like sort of like embody the whole the whole uh, genre was a bit hard. But I settled on this one for a reason, which I'll let you know soon. There's a little teaser for you. Uh-huh. Yeah. What um? What would be the most sort of well-known EC comic? Like, are there any that we may know today? Well, Tales from the Crypt is well-known because there was a TV show and some movies done yeah. of it yeah, so like back a, in the uh, 90s, I think. Familiar. Yeah. yeah. There was like the, the Crypt Keeper was this creepy puppet who would introduce ironic horror stories and make lots of bad puns, which you'll see a lot of in this uh <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. it's great. (laughs) That was the best part. I I love puns, even if they're absolutely terrible. They're one of my favorite things. Oh my god! Well, this is right up your alley because there are some (laughs) terrible puns in here. Oh my god! Um, yeah. So it's uh, it's fairly well known because of that. Uh, Tales from the Crypt. There's also the Vault of Horror, Vault of Horror, Crypt of Terror, and oh, the Haunt of Fear. Yeah, and they uh, this is a series of comics starring, as we see on the cover here, featuring the Crypt Keeper, the Old Witch, and the Vault Keeper, which are three generic, ugly old people telling you horror stories. <laughs> That's very gnarly illustrations. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the cover illustration is there's a werewolf in the foreground, hidden in shadow. There's a guy with a uh, with a lantern and a gun walking around, uh, and the moon is silver in the sky, in a, a strangely green looking sky, uh, and it's it's a pretty generic sort of horror image. Uh, what are you What are you guys th- thoughts on the cover here of this particular? Uh, very spooky esque. <laughs> very spooky esque. I love it. 
I feel like as soon as I saw the image, I knew that I was about to like what was going to happen inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Excellent. Uh, yeah, it's like, and I mean, the, the cover may look familiar to you guys. Have you ever seen anything looking yes. like this? Like, I, can be honest, be honest if, you, if, I want if to it doesn't that. look anything you've seen. No, I don't think so for me. Yeah. It has been ripped off a lot for like album covers and... Uh, magazines and stuff. It's a very iconic layout yeah. from a graphic yeah. design point of view. In fact, I ripped it off for one of my comics. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I just, um, I yeah, I just, the three circles with a little uh, little banner at the bottom with the main image and like terror written down the across uh, down the side up the top there. Yeah. Yeah, I ripped that off for one of my comics. It's a very <laughs> Very well known layout. Now, the the cover is signed by Jack Jack no, Davis. No, no, Do you guys know who Jack Davis? Is? Okay. Well, I'm you know I'm probably a little bit older than you guys, so I will say, are you familiar at all with Mad Magazine? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, let me tell you a tale. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Mad Magazine was the last remaining vestige of EC Comics, the company which made all these old horror comics. And they would have these uh, film parodies, and they had these really cool uh, caricatures of the people in the movies and stuff like that. And that was done by two, two really good artists. One was uh, Mort Drucker, and the other was Jack Davis, the guy who did this very cover. He used to do a heap of work for Mad Magazine doing their movie uh, satires and stuff like that. This is quite a, a jump from Mad Magazine, so like a horror yeah. comic into like the satire stuff of that. that uh... Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, he was a very talented artist and uh, he did a lot of great work. And he, he had a real... Uh, if you look at his, like he does the first story in this issue, and he's obviously got a flair for, uh, like exaggerated characters. Yeah, yeah, say the least. Definitely. <laughs> so he, yeah, he's he's most, much better known these days as a comedy, uh, like a cartoonist, than a horror guy. But back in the day, he was all about the horror. Yeah, you can definitely. I feel like. Even though a lot of these are meant to be horror, they definitely can come across as sort of like a comedy. A little bit comedic, yeah, yeah. for sure. Oh my god, they oh, they are they are horror comedy, and we'll talk about <laughs> that uh, as we go along. But oh my god, and like every single title of the story is some sort of pun on what happens inside of it. <laughs> as we will see, and the first page, I think we've I think we've pumped the cover for all it's worth. Let's go into the first page. The Crypt of Terror. And then there's like a wall of text. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to read this and just all the, the the very kind of archaic words, I suppose, some of the words used in it. Mm. Yes, indeed. It was like they're very wordy, very 1950s. And back in the day, you know, they didn't trust people to just say, oh, I can see what's happening in this this picture. I felt like they had to describe what was happening at the same time just to make sure people didn't miss anything. Yeah. As someone with dyslexia, it was actually kind of hard to read some of it. I was like, I can't get that word around anything in my brain. Oh, well, they do make up some words too. 
<laughs> yeah, which is great because then my brain was like, that's totally made up. We can roll with it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And the first page is telling about how this is a, this is a, the first issue of a new comic. And now there's four horror comics um, in their lineup, which is, let's see, I'm going to let you in on a secret. This is a complete lie. This is not the first issue of a new comic, and there are no. This is, in fact, the last ever EC horror comic that they made. Really? Oh my gosh! Do they not do the rest? Uh, they were they were very successful, very successful, uh, from for many years in the early fifties, and then a real horror reared its head, and that horror was censorship. Oh no! Uh... Dang so this was originally the the contents of this magazine were originally intended to be a new uh, title in their lineup, uh, but they ended up this was ended up being the last one they published. They published it as a because they they went out of business almost out of business mm. almost directly after this because of oh so much stuff so many uh, like you're going to find out the true horrific details of this comic. As we go along, oh no! Uh, but I'd rather talk about the, the story for a little bit now. How's that sound, guys? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, let's do okay. that. Okay. So uh, I love the I love the picture with uh, the two, the old witch and the uh, vault keeper sitting there, about to <laughs> whack the crypt keeper in the crypt keeper in the back of the head. <laughs> I was wondering if I th- I thought they were all like allied in some way, just from the, <laughs> the front page and. So, it was a bit of a twist when I suddenly saw that they're about to smack the uh, the crypt keeper right in the back of the head. Uh, yeah, well, let's say they're they're all horrible. In fact, that's one thing about this comic: it's full of horrible, horrible people. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> I I'm I'm trying to think. There's not a sympathetic character I can find amongst <laughs> them. <laughs> I feel like oh, it's I, just I won't a... spoil the. Uh the third comic, but I, I quite enjoyed that one and I felt sympathy oh. towards the person who ends up being the bad guy in the end. I suppose. Yeah, the guy the guy who he was just trying to get ahead. <laughs> oh yes. We'll get onto that soon. Oh boy. Okay, so we'll uh we'll gloss over most of the stories in a because I think I think his first story that we're gonna do, which is the werewolf story, is pretty it's a bit of a nothing story really. It's a very by the numbers werewolf story. Yeah, very yeah. predictable. Yeah, very very basic. I, you could almost kind of tell. I don't. Did they have color? Like, was this how the comic would have been presented with color and everything back in nineteen fifties? Yes, indeed. Okay. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, I kind of immediately sensed that it was uh, ended up being who it ended up being because of the color of the cloak that the werewolf was wearing. <laughs> Ah <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, it's well as a mystery story, it's it's not it's not Sherlock Holmes. It's not like oh, who could this possibly it's not very be? Mysterious. <laughs> yeah. All the clues are we know three characters. Who could it be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so it starts off as a hunter shooting at a werewolf, uh, and then he 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 misses it, and he goes back to town to Plainsville. Uh, going to the second page. Uh, who who was it this time, Chet? 
as a, a farmer being killed by a werewolf. They're being plagued by a werewolf. Now, has this something that's ever happened to you guys? I mean, you've done. Sp I know you've had spooky things happen, but have you had a, ever had werewolf experiences? No, never. No, waiting for the day. Well, it was a whole thing about French werewolves in the 1500s. So, you know, I don't know if they're ever going to make a comeback in the <laughs> 2020s, but you know, <laughs> this year's been. Me. Been enough already. Yeah, I don't think we want werewolves on top of everything else at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. Though. That's that's all I'm no, saying. True. <laughs> and you know, werewolves will not wear masks. Oh, absolutely they just, not. They just outright refuse. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, what a world we live in. Okay, so Chet's wife was killed by a werewolf, uh, and he's he's mad as hell. Uh, and so they go off to the mayor, who is wearing a conspicuously blue gown, <laughs> and he's all like, "Like, what are you going to do about these werewolves?" And he's like, uh, "Look, uh, did you shoot them with a silver bullet?" And they're all like, uh, we, "Is that we supposed to do that?" <laughs> he's like, "Come on, come back to my library, and you'll find out." We'll read up about these werewolves, these lycanthropes, and uh, and then we can uh, figure out what to do. Yeah. So yeah, the 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 mayor is not taking it too seriously by the seams. Definitely. Not. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> out of out of the three name characters in this story, uh, I wonder which one could be the werewolf. <laughs> Okay, so they get organised for the next uh, for the next full moon. the The mayor's wife is visiting his elderly, her elderly mother, who's in a wheelchair. And uh, mother is, of course, a delightful, <laughs> a delightful individual. <laughs> Promise me you'll take it easy. What else could I do with this wheelchair, Clara? <laughs> <laughs> Just a, a, another sparkling personality in these old EC stories. Yep. They really uh, the elderly. Oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I'd say now this was in 1954 this uh, came, no, 1955 this came out. And uh, I don't think uh, they were b big on the women's lib somehow hmm. <laughs> in any of these stories. I don't think so. I mean, like to be fair, everyone is a is a horrendous individual, but uh, the women seem to get it a bit worse than the men. Yeah, they're either grumpy or running their way into a werewolf's jaws. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> both. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, uh, Clara, the the mayor's wife, is. Three blocks to get home. Oh, but there's a werewolf on the way. <laughs> and with a lot a lot of explanation as to what's happening. Oh, heaps. Lots of description. Fountaining blood over its hairy face. And into its red boiling eyes. Clara buys it. She goes, Yeah, goo, ga, goo. <laughs> Regular death noises, I think. <laughs> oh yeah, we we all do that. We all do that when we die. Oh, and of course, uh, uh, top of page four is it? Uh, five. 
Uh, yeah, she she does the immortal choke. She says <laughs> when she sees the werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, th- I thought that was quite funny that they just wrote choke and then in the next thing they write yaga goo gaga oh. <laughs> <laughs> yaga goo gaga uh, it sounds like a hip uh, novelty song um, okay so uh, the meanwhile while, while the mayor's wife is getting chowed down on all the hunters are sitting in the pub saying, well, we should go out and shoot this thing. And the, the bartender says, well, what are you doing talking here? Go out and get it. Yeah. They, they uh, sheepishly pick up their silver bullet loaded car lines and stalk from the tavern. And they find the body of a woman, Paul Choke. <laughs> yes, yeah, so they're too late. They go get the... Um, the mayor, he says, uh, oh, Clara hasn't come home yet. Was it a woman? Yeah. Life run around on the full moon, you know, like. Yeah, you'd think you would have, like, if you're aware that that was when the werewolf came out, you would perhaps stay home. Yeah. It's better than a divorce, though. And in the previous. <laughs> <laughs> wow, maybe that could be it. Oh, wow. You should write for these comics. That's a, that's a great, uh, <laughs> great attitude there, Belinda. Thank you. No worries at all. <laughs> okay. Uh, the mayor sees that it's his wife. He recognizes her clothes, they say. So obviously, they're, oh, and they refer to her body as a skeleton. So <laughs> anguishly, he fell across her flesh-stripped bones. So nothing left of her. Uh, he's very upset. Oh, I said nothing but bones and clothes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's not a good look. <laughs> no. <laughs> I want to know where all this blood that he'd uh, ripped out of her went. All of his clothes just seem immaculately kept all the time. <laughs> well, um, uh, I have no explanation there. <laughs> Raiden, uh, you, you got me. You, you beat this comic. <laughs> he gets home so or he wakes up suddenly in his bed covered in blood and just thinks oh not this again <laughs> <laughs> must be that time of month <laughs> <laughs> That's it. oh boy so he has a shower quickly throws on his uh dressing gown and now the mayor is mad he's taken it personally now he's this werewolf has killed his wife he's like Urgh, oh oh He's he's very um, methodical in his planning to take down this werewolf. And then they skip ahead another month. <laughs> yes, indeed, because he only comes out once a month. Got to make it quick. What, you can't write 28 days into a short comic. No, no, no they can't. They've yeah. only got like eight pages or something for this. They can't waste time. Yeah. No. Eight pages and three months to cover. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the big night comes and the mayor shows up in his red outfit, very conspicuous. So, so you would be able to tell who was wearing that outfit if they, say, were covered in fur or something like that. I'd assume it'd be all ripped up, though, if he's turned into a werewolf. Uh, yeah, well, the werewolf seems to be the exact size he is. <laughs> like, the clothes fit remarkably. He's just, I don't know. Yeah. I think this is like calling back to the old werewolf movies where it was just a guy wearing a mask. 
and, <laughs> yeah. and some furry gloves. So they didn't change it. Like, because we grew up in a world where there was American werewolf London and all that, and where the whole body would go under undergo a freakish transformation. Yeah. But back in the 1950s, it was just like someone like hasn't shaved for a while. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we go through the hunt for the werewolf for a bit, and they find in in another sign of their feminist uh, ways, there's this old woman who's suspicious, who is not a werewolf, clearly not a werewolf, but they decide to take her back and kidnap her and question her about it. And beat her. While, yeah, like... knock her unconscious. <laughs> well, she deserved it because she bit a guy. Suspicious, right? huh? <laughs> yeah. She bit a guy after being kidnapped. God damn it, that woman. Yeah. <laughs> that Doesn't she know bit. that the, the men folk know what they're doing? That's it. Oh, boy. Uh, so they sit there, they waste some time on this uh, crazy old lady. And, you know, she does look a bit like she's out of Mad Magazine. Absolutely. This, this wench with her gigantic nose. <laughs> she, she's had a hard life. <laughs> it definitely appears so. Well, what is yeah. she wearing as well? Uh, <laughs> that burlap sack. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a sack. Yeah, she's just wearing a sack. Yep, for like as is the fashion. Yeah. <laughs> When you're oh, a boy. Bitch, you don't need much. No, that's it. Yeah. Uh, but you should see her underneath that sack. Whoa. That's all oh, I'm saying. <laughs> she's been working out. <laughs> she, she's got the goods. She knows what she's doing. Okay. And we're suddenly we're at the final page of the story. And it's it's we've, it's gone. It's a very unfocused story. But I wrap it all up in the final page. The mayor goes into his library, dimly lit hall to the dark library, and then he sees the werewolf and he shoots it <laughs> lots of times, point blank, again and again, and it doesn't affect it. And he, like, lets out a shriek, a yeah. <laughs> the other guys uh, who, were, for some reason, weren't with him, uh, like say, oh, it's the it's the mayor. He's probably being attacked by a werewolf. They run in. <gasps> oh my god! Can you believe him. this? Yeah. The mayor is the werewolf. <laughs> I never saw it coming. <laughs> oh my god! And he was sh- he didn't kill the werewolf because he was shooting a mirror. He shot his own reflector, and of course, the <laughs> the, the hunters say. Good Lord, choke. <laughs> the classic line. The classic line. Now, uh, I like the fact, well, do I like, let me just say, I find it's interesting that they don't even bother to show them killing the werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> they just sort of, uh, it's up for the crypt people to say that, well, they shot him. They added extra slides to show the poor old lady getting beaten in the back of the head with the butt of a rifle. They used up they... all those slides for that. <laughs> they don't show the, the lead sort of antagonist meeting their demise. No, no, no. Why waste time with that when you could be beating up an old woman? <laughs> we all know who the true antagonist here is. <laughs> Uh, oh my god, so that was the first story As I said, a little bit of a nothing story I don't think it even has any good puns In the uh, in the wrap up 
No, not entirely. Not just something about grave robbers and then the she'll dig that up some other time. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a good play on words there, love. Good play on words. Yeah. And, of course, the name of the story was Upon Reflection. And yeah. There we go. And uh, he was shooting a reflection. So that's really worth a positive mission. Uh, okay. Yep. First story done. Uh, not not the best in my opinion. What do you guys reckon? I think it's like really classic though. Yeah. It's what you would expect from a story from 1955 for sure. It wasn't nostalgic at the time, but the time we're reading it, I think it just has nostalgia value for sure. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of like a... Like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a proto story, and uh, it's a story which, like, it's just so generic. It's like all <laughs> these other stories have come from it. Yeah. Like a, uh, uh, I can't think of a word, but I'm sure there's some arty farty phase phrase for that. Yeah. So it's just the original, the original story of everything. But you know, we can't say like there's. I'm sure there were hundreds of werewolf stories before that one. Almost. It's just. I think it's yeah, notable because it's so bereft of any original ideas. <laughs> Usually, people try. I know I'll put a little twist on this, but that one's like, yeah, this is just this is just a werewolf thing. There you go. This yeah. is just how it is. This is it. I suppose the mirror thing was kind of a twist, but at the same time, it was so just like, I mean, they could have at least put the mayor in like different clothing whenever he was in frame <laughs> from the true. werewolf. <laughs> just to, absolutely you know, just to throw us off a little bit yeah yeah like, no, i mean be... <laughs> after you blender oh, i just said no it couldn't be the mayor's in a different outfit but <laughs> then it turns out to be the mayor <laughs> yeah i think i think i just realized that what uh, my problem is is like is like the twist is it's a mirror but usually there's like uh some sort of ironic twist like you know Maybe if the mayor was a real clothes horse and always checking himself out in a mirror. <laughs> or maybe they made a big deal about having a mirror in the library at the start. Yeah. Maybe if they had something to do with the mirror before it just shows up in the last page. Yeah. Check on the mirror, like... as they always say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, uh, okay, but enough, uh, enough just bagging that story let's go on to one which i really given away given away my thoughts on it straight away i really did like because it is full of horrible people oh yes and one one particular horrible person is blind alleys <laughs> uh we got the vault keeper who is i think identical to the crypt keeper in almost every way yeah <laughs> Unlike the mayor and the werewolf, they actually change their outfits so they are different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're right there. Okay. And we have, and this is like where all the words actually pay off. Like in this story, it's actually, I think, better told because all these captions describing what's going on at the start are really setting the scene. It's like it's, it's a miserable tenant, tenant building. Where like lots of poor people, there's no there's no heating, there's no cooling, there's as everything is horrible and covered in grime and uh, and cobwebs and the food is terrible. And the twist is, as we find on the second page, 
Uh, I forgot to mention the rats. And there's rats. The twist is everyone who lives there is blind. What a setup. This is back in the days where you could do a story about like uh, blind people and you didn't have to worry about being uh, at all. Politically correct. Yeah, politically correct. You didn't have to show any sympathy for them people. You say, aha, yeah. they're blind. Aha, how do you like that? Yeah. <laughs> you can't see us making fun of you. <laughs> yeah, that's how that works. And there's uh, the second page where we meet our blind protagonists. None of them have names. They're all just blind person, number one, number two, number three. Um, we find out about how they, because their other senses have obviously been sharpened, they have to dip, put up with all this, all these horrible conditions. They can smell the mildew. They can hear the rats. They can touch the sticky cobwebs. I think it's a very, uh, very atmospheric setup for the story. Yeah, I think any any story that doesn't just rely on what the people are seeing to um, sort of enrich the experience is a, a good one. Yeah, and that's the good thing about comics is that it can, because it, it is you, it's a visual medium, but it can express a lot of other things through just like just through words and pictures. Yeah. Mm. Okay, and then we meet. Uh, uh, let's say the villain of the piece, uh, Gunnar Groomwald. Yep. The Holmes director. He's macking on a chick. Horses. <laughs> okay. And like another thing that really got me about this comic is like not used to these days in comics is like they're quite explicit about uh, the sexuality of their characters. Oh, yeah, I noticed that straight away because we read the stories to each other. Brayden read the first one, I read this one. And I, I kept making, like, voices and everything. This is actually quite quite sexual for <laughs> for a comic. Ah, hmm. uh, yes. Well, that is, uh, there's a reason for that, and we'll get to that. Oh, I'm just still I'm teasing the heck out of this <laughs> in a bit. But, yes, uh, uh, Gunnar... Grunwald is like uh, romancing a woman. He has the finest of everything, paid for by his poor tenants. He's like getting this uh, lady drunk <laughs> so he can have her way, his way with her. <laughs> She's not exactly resistant. Here, beautiful. Here, beautiful. Have another drink. <laughs> mm, this is more like it. <laughs> And we find out the next page that uh, Gunnar surrounds himself with luxuries. Uh, uh, yeah, because he thinks that like, they, like his tenants wouldn't appreciate them. And we get a great picture of uh, Gunnar like warming his butt with a heater. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best, the best frame in this entire, entire comic, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I was like, he's, I, was, I was reading it, I was like, I had to look at it several times just to try and compute what was going on. In the... <laughs> yeah. It looked like he was experimenting with some ladies' underwear there for a bit, but I was like, no, yeah. no, it's just he's just warming his butt. <laughs> That's what uh, rich people exploiting uh, people with disabilities do. They just warm their butts. <laughs> all the luxury. All the... Yeah, and all the blind people, their butts are freezing. Oh, yeah. it's, it's the worst part. <laughs> They've all got cold butts. 
because you can really feel it if you're blind. It's like your butt is like another set of eyes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no. oh, I'm going to hell. Okay. <laughs> we all are, don't worry. Yeah. Uh, okay, so he, he, poor miserable blind fools, would never appreciate the beauty that he has here. And we find out he's bought himself a dog, a vicious dog, because he sees the hate from his tenant's eyes. Well, does he say eyes? Deep sense, yeah. Web, he yeah. sees it in their web, webbed blind eyes, and their silent, grim faces. He knows their hate, so he's got a dog for protection, and he can walk around confidently, knowing that if anyone gives him trouble, he can just set his dog onto him. This is the like. It's like the worst person. <laughs> they just put all the worst traits of a human being into one, and then got this guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, he is like. Like I said, there's, this comic is full of horrible people, but this guy takes the cake. It's, it's amazing. He loves, he loves tripping. Like they show him tripping a blind guy and laughing about it. <laughs> you don't get lower than that. No. No way. Okay. I'm surprised they didn't use choke when the blind man was falling. <laughs> they used... <laughs> oh, they should have. They should have. Oh, okay. So, um, okay. So he's doing, he's having fun. He's removing banisters. So people fall downstairs. He's putting planks on the ground. So people trip over. He's just playing up, tipping buckets of water people as they come through doors. Uh, of home alone. He's like home together. (laughs) Home together. (laughs) Because these people aren't breaking into his his house. They live there. Yeah. He's just torturing people. <laughs> uh, okay, so he, he gets his uh, his lady friend around one night, and she doesn't like the look of a dog, so he puts the dog outside now. Uh, I don't like the look of that dog in that panel either. No. The uh, one on the left, sorry? The one on the left, yeah, where he's looking yeah. up at the, at the girl. is like, crazy. that would creep me out. Yeah. It's almost like I don't know. I, I assume they're just shadows cast by like the brow of the dog, but it kind of looks like the flesh is almost like ripping. Up yeah, <laughs> it is a spooky looking dog. Yeah. So I understand why the lady is like, "Get that dog out of here if you want to make some time with me." Yeah. Um. Okay, but that was that was that was uh, Gunner's big mistake. Because the tenants lead the dog into a room using their meat scraps they'd saved from their scant meals, and they lock them in a room. <laughs> what's uh, what's what's going to happen next? I wonder. Mm, let's see. Let's see. Anything <laughs> predictable? Mm-hmm. Okay, gonna get a a peck good night from his his uh, bow. His little mistress. Yeah, and there's, I don't think there's any question as to what they've been up to. <laughs> I think we all know. Yeah. Uh, okay, and they're going to notice his dog is missing, and then he sees that he's surrounded by blind people who drag him to the cellar and throw him in a room. 
Okay, at this stage of the story, how are you feeling about what's going on, guys? I'm I'm enjoying the fact that we're about to get some revenge on this clearly terrible human being. Um, <laughs> I am quite, I mean, I'm impressed by the uh, coordination that the uh, mob of uh, blind gentlemen are having to have coordinated all this plan that they're about to put into action. I don't mm -hmm. think it's beyond the realm of possibility for this to happen, but... I mean, um, yeah. It... Yeah, definitely not. And I think there is going to be some actual ironic uh, justice served up uh, very soon. Okay. Uh, skipping through here. Okay, Brutus, I've got you too. Uh, then the blind people start to work and they're chopping and, and hammering and stuff like that. A day passes. Uh, Grunwald is in... Is in the, his room wondering what they're making, and he tries to warn the blind people: "Feed Brutus, you fools! He'll get wild if you don't. He'll be dangerous." And the guy says, "We know, Mister Grunwald." <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the great thing about this um, this story. Just uh, from your little chuckle there, Belinda, <laughs> we know what's coming. We it's know great. what's going to happen to Mr. Grunwald. Yeah. And we're just waiting to see how it happens. We're just rooting for the right blind people at this point. Oh, yeah. This guy, this guy deserves everything friend. he's getting. <laughs> okay, so they, they keep on building. Uh, second day, he's saying, some food, give me some food. And he says, uh, is what you've been feeding us called food? And Brutus gets madder and madder, is it the dog? The third night, they let him out. And they say, come, Mr. Grunwald, you are free to go. Yeah. <laughs> Follow us, Mr. Grunwald, we built this just for you. It leads to the shallow steps, steps and freedom. And then they scarper. <laughs> it's so sincere. <laughs> And we figure out what their uh, what their work has been doing, and what is it's a maze. It's a maze that he has to find his way through. But the the most fiendish aspect of it is that there are razor blades embedded in the wall, thousands and thousands of them. This reminded me of Saw straight away. As soon as he said, "Oh, there's razor blades. I'll cut myself." I was like, this is sore. This is some sore shit right yeah. here. Exactly what Jigsaw would do. I love it. I love yeah. it. I'm on board. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> okay. But he's like, ha-ha, I'm a fool. Careful. If I take my time, I never have to touch the walls. Just walk slowly like this. Carefully. <laughs> and then what happens? Come on, guys. I'll let you do the, the unveiling. They release. They release Brutus. The hungry dog who's been <laughs> with him the last few days and hasn't attacked him, but now decides that he is hungry. Tis time. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a wall between them when they were in the, in the oh, two little yeah, There was, yeah. just, okay. and Brutus was every day slowly getting angrier and angrier and yeah. like slamming himself against the wall. And now it's time. Mm. Now, now it's time to eat his owner. <laughs> okay. You know what's so, <laughs> yeah, this is just, it's owner eating time. Um, and then he's like, oh, Lord, Lord, he starts running. And, of course, he starts cutting himself on the razor blades. Yeah. Um, 
Frightened, wild, through the twisting double-back corridors of the razor-lined walls of the slobbering house closed behind him. And then, in an absolute piste de, de resistance of storytelling, and then some idiot turned out the lights. Yes. <laughs> the ultimate revenge. The ultimate revenge. Ah, oh, yes. Now he's blind and dead. Beaten by dogs. <laughs> Oh, I mean, he did kind of have it coming. <laughs> he certainly did. I don't think anyone goes, hmm, that guy really had a bad run of it. I feel bad <laughs> for, for Mr. Grunwald. He really he really didn't deserve that. He was just trying to warm his buttocks in front of the heater. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoying the simple things in life. Yeah. Oh, boy. So I think that was a really good story. Now, let's see, any cool puns in the last, like, wrap-up there? Oh, what was the? <laughs> oh, don't go to pieces. Yeah. <laughs> and turn it back to the. Dismembered parts of a corpse said when they were shipped to the undertakers. We'll get together again. Oh. <laughs> wonk, wonk. <laughs> Their final goodbye. Very good. Uh, so yeah, much better story in my my opinion. Definitely. This was actually uh, adapted into a movie. Uh, in the 1970s, they did a, a a British movie based on these comics, and this was one of the stories they adapted uh, for the big screen. Really? Yeah. How well was it received, Owen? I was. I think they did a couple. They were pretty well received. They were like you know 1970s uh, UK horror. Yeah. Are all very uh, very British. Little. But I, they had that uh, gleefully uh, sadistic sense of humour about them as well. Excellent. So uh, then we have I a tech they, story. Uh, oops, sorry. Oh, sorry. After you, mate. I was gonna say I hope they kept in the butt warming in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I haven't watched it. Uh, I think I watched it like back in the eighties or something, but I haven't watched it lately. So I'll, I might rewatch it and see if they do have the butt warming. Yeah. It is a highlight. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, now there's a uh, a text story which I didn't read. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I did read this one, yes. Okay. Can you t- tell me what happened? <laughs> yeah, I'll summarize it for you. Essentially, Dan Grett was a farmer, and he really hated his wife for some reason. They don't really give too much <laughs> of a... You know, I think that's reason. what they call a theme. <laughs> I think so. Uh, and he's got this large farm where he uh, has workers on. And in order to hide the body of the wife, which he's been keeping in the basement, he decides that he is going to go and dig a hole out in the field somewhere and then put her in so that uh, it can slowly decompose under the earth. <laughs> oh, he, yeah. He pulls up this big plow and uh, the workers over the other side of the field are uh, chattering, but he thinks he has enough time to quickly get the body in. Uh, but they start coming towards him for some reason and he freaks out and falls uh, onto the steering wheel, I suppose, and then mm-hmm. the plow begins like churning towards him and ends up cutting him down directly next to the body of his wife, who is half buried. Oh, kind of uh, ironic, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for that. Uh, now I know what's going on. How would you rate that story in terms of spookiness? Uh, I'd give it probably. A four out of ten. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> not not as spooky as it could be. 
Yeah, you know, I feel like it could have been more gruesomer. I feel like the details <laughs> of the murder itself could have been like a quite, I guess, maybe added to the horror aspect. But this was almost like a story where you were just waiting to see the man die. So it was almost like uh, there wasn't too much horror necessarily as much as you were just sort of uh, waiting around to, I mean, yeah, you were sort of rooting for the death of this man, which you knew was coming. Mm-hmm. And it does oh, yeah. end in a great pun as well. Uh, after the the, uh, <laughs> the man's corpse is down beside his wife's, uh, he says, uh, "It is. Oh, it was a real family plot." Referring oh. to the very end. Yes, where he oh, why? Why do they do that to us? <laughs> it's great. Okay. And uh, now moving on, we're on to a couple of ads next. Mm. So here's an interesting one for Piracy, which is a pirate comic they were bringing out at the time. Cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, very, uh, if you can imagine sort of like this comic, except it's all pirates, and you've pretty much got it. Nice. Did, a dollar uh, for eight issues. That's amazing. Back in the- I know. <gasps> like uh, these days, nothing. Comics, <laughs> comics are like 5 to $10 each. Yeah. Things were different I, uh, back in the day. In my like mid-teens, after getting back into comics for a little bit, I uh, purchased a subscription to, I think, called Marvel Ultimate or Unlimited or something like that. It's like a you can go through their database online and read all of their comics. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, quite a worthy. Uh, that was, was that a dollar? I don't, I don't know. I doubt it. It, it came out of my mum's <laughs> bank account a few times. But I didn't didn't get rid of the uh, subscription after I'd stopped reading them. Uh, so I, no. I think it ended up being like a couple of hundred dollars worth of the payment. <laughs> That's how they get you. Yep. Right on. So, yeah. So Piracy, that was, a th- that was a comic. In fact, EC tried a whole heap of different things. They had a uh, uh, psychotherapy comic. Wow. Which was like, you know, people coming to see a psychiatrist and talking about their, their fears and stuff like that. They tried a lot of different stuff. Yeah. And Mad Magazine, of course, which was a humor comic, which which was the only thing that really stuck. And it's still going today. Okay. Wonder, did this piracy, obviously, um, the haunted sort of comics kind of uh, stopped after this issue. But I wonder how long the piracy comics kept up for. Well, I think, uh, I think everything except for Mad pretty much shut down. Wow. Oh, jeez. Uh, well, we I've teased it long enough. Let's talk about what happened to EC Comics. Okay. Um, so there was, uh, in the mid-50s, there was a bit of a scare about comic books, how they were causing ju- juvenile delinquency. Okay, like video games <laughs> okay. these days. Exactly right. Okay. Uh, now, reading these comics, you could see perhaps they had something they were on about something there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> because these comics are very, um, they're very explicit. They don't, they don't show like, they're not gore-filled, but they're, they're, it's all in your mind. Like, you don't see the razor blades cutting Grunewald to pieces. You don't see the dog eating him, but you know that's what's happening. Yeah. It's it's greatly detailed that way. 
mm. in some of the words they use for sure. Mm. There was so... a spike in like um, elderly women being harassed. <laughs> Perhaps there was a, a uh, link to this comic, yes. Mm. Yeah. So, and uh, so there was this big scare happening in the 1950s. Uh, there was a book called Seduction of the Innocent by Frederick Wernheim, which basically said uh, comics are bad. They cause juvenile delinquency. They cause uh, sexual uh, perversion in kids. It was like it was like famously like Batman and Robin are obviously homosexual lovers, uh, and like all these violent crime and horror comics uh, are causing kids to go bad. So there was a there was a Senate inquiry held by the United States Senate, and uh, the publisher of these uh, Tales from the Crypt comics was brought forward, uh, William Gaines Jr. And he apparently, it was shown on television and he apparently had a cold at the time and was taking some like uh, anti-cold medication and he just like looked like a drug addict. Oh no. While he was uh, (laughs) while he was testifying to the Senate. And they showed him like pictures of like women with their head cuts off and say, is this in good taste? And he said, well, I think for a horror comic, it's good taste. Uh, (laughs) And it did not play well. So uh, what the, this version of the story I've heard is that uh, the publishers of Archie comics set up the comic code authority and they set out the, I, now, you might have seen this when you were growing up there, Braden. Uh, they'd have a little comic code seal on the cover. Yep, yep. So that was like a it was like self-induced uh, censorship. It wasn't the government. It was the comic book industry set this up. And basically, uh, what they did is they looked at anything that was in an EC comic, like the one we're reading here, and then they said, okay, we're not going to allow that. Okay. <laughs> I love that they no. use their comics as the standard of what yeah. to what to have and what not to have. What exactly they can right. and can't do. So, uh, the Comic Code Authority prohibited the presentation of policemen, judges, government officials, and respected institutions in such a way to create disrespect for established authority. Like, for instance, having a mayor be a werewolf. Well, yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, in every instance, good shall triumph over evil. Wow. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, you're not allowed to have uh, kidnapping or concealed weapons. Uh, we had some kidnapping already, this issue. Uh, oh, disp- yeah. Depictions of excessive violence with permission. Uh, oh, yes. Vampires, werewolf, ghouls, and zombies, all banned. What? <laughs> you, you no way. Right. Like such okay, a wait, I haven't finished. You could not use the word horror or terror in the title of a comic. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you could use crime, but you had to have it like crime does not pay, not horrible crime comics uh. sort of stuff. Okay. Uh, 
You're not allowed to show uh, depictions of sexual perversion, sexual abnormalities, or illicit sexual relationships. Which has been shown already. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, love stories had to emphasize the sanctity of marriage. We're advised to avoid overstimulating lower and baser emotions. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So they're taking all the fun out of the. It's literally everything that these comics were. They were like, nope. Yeah. Yep, that's it. So basically, oh. yeah, they brought this in, uh, I think, at the end of 1954. And because it was on TV, people were looking for a guide. Like, So they said, oh, if it has the seal, the comics code seal, then it's good for kids. Okay. Of course, these comics could not get that seal because I was specifically designed not to get that seal. Yeah. So within a few months, all the everything except Mad they were publishing uh, was yeah they went out of business basically, and they had to change Mad from a comic book to a magazine uh, to keep going. Ah, oh, so that's how they made the workaround. Exactly right. So that's why Mad, even though it's full of comics and stuff like that, always was in the larger magazine format. So that's it. So it was basically what happened was, you know, there was a the scare. Uh, Archie Comics saw an opportunity, drove their their competition out of business, and uh, set up this comic code authority, which went for fifty years. They had to follow that. Wow! Oh I was going to say I've seen some pretty, you know, um, graphic comics uh, now from Marvel, even. Yeah. So I assume they would have gotten rid of that at some. Yeah, they stopped. Uh, Marvel stopped uh, using the seal in I think two thousand or two thousand and one. Okay. Oh, still pretty recent. And still, yeah, still a long time. And DC was still using it up to like I think five, ten years ago. Wow. Jesus. So, that makes so sense. That's, to DC. <laughs> yeah. So that's what makes this such a notable comic because it's the last hurrah of a a golden age of horror comics because. These were the most popular comics on the stands. Forget about superheroes, uh, Vault of Horror, Crypt of Terror. They were the best-selling comics, and everyone was ripping them off. So there were like a zillion rip-off ones, you know, like uh, ones like uh, Dark Horrors and, oh, oh, just name it, anything like Horrible Mysteries. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Weird Cowboy Comics, that was one. I mean, I feel like it's pretty similar now to the way that horror is quite popular because, I mean, this was their medium that they had to go through at that time. So Yeah, because at, at that time, because Hollywood movies were so regular as well with the Hayes Code there, this is where it came out. Oh, there we go. I wonder how comics would have looked uh, heading through that time up until 2000, 2010 or whatever it was. Um, if there wasn't that, uh, if that didn't happen, if we'd continued on the exact same way. Oh, I reckon superheroes would not still be a thing. Yeah. Because super, they were the only comics that, like them and Archie comics were the only sort of comics that could survive. Mm. Because they they were, like the good guys always won in, in, uh, in superhero comics. And there's always... Uh, Showing police in a good light and doing all the good things. Yeah. Exactly what you need to get through the code. 
So I reckon if they had gotten rid of the comic code or it had never happened, then I don't think there would be Marvel movies these days. No, we would have had uh, Tales from the Crypt and things like that. Well, yeah, there's there's been three Tales from the Crypt movies as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Extra horror. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, so let's quickly, uh, we're, we're running a little long because, uh, as always, I'm talking too much. Um, let's quickly uh, just power through these last two stories. Okay. I'll just do a quick summary. First is success story, uh, which is who we got. Uh, I must be the Crypt Keeper again. Uh, there's a guy, the, the cops inject him with sodium penifolds, truth serum. And he says what's happened. He, he had got married. His parent-in-laws uh, lent him some money, and then they fell on hard times, so they moved into the house that he'd bought. And then it's basically eight pages of them giving him a hard time about not making enough money. Yep. This poor guy. Yeah. He is very sympathetic. Uh, <laughs> he, can't, he can't even, like, he's sitting in the can or something like that. He's just <laughs> in the toilet, like, and they're yelling at him through the door. <laughs> he says, like, why aren't you making it money? You don't have time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and his father-in-law is obsessed with getting a bigger screen TV. Oh. Yeah. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed in 65 years. <laughs> they do notably use choke again in this comic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, so good. Uh, yeah. So he, uh, by page five, if you skip to page five of the story down the bottom, he is looking bad. Oh, yeah. He looked he look like he's about to go crazy. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I was the quite page, his uh, descent into this sort of uh, state as yes, I knew indeed. what was coming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Last page, like once again, everything wraps up very quickly. <laughs> yep. He gets home. Uh, his his family starts haranguing him again. So he just runs into the kitchen, grabs a cleaver, starts hoeing into him. Yep. And we have a picture of him looking so happy. I'm a little mad. Like, so you see, I yeah, did get ahead after all. <laughs> And of course, he's chopped off everyone's head. Everyone's heads. Not only have I got a head, I got three heads. <laughs> the best, the best part of the entire story. Yes. Uh, and then was, and then we have uh, Crypt Keeper giving us some uh, some fantastic puns there. Yep. Triple yeah. header. That was a good one. Yeah. Oh, lots of baseball sort of references that I yeah, didn't too much. Went out three three strikes. Yeah, over the plate. Oh, because he put him on plates. Oh, <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Okay, nothing but the best nightmares. Okay, and then to the final story, the witch's cauldron, and we have the old witch. She's like the crypt keeper and the vault keeper, except she's a witch. <laughs> You can tell by the extended chin and nose. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. In fact, there's a lot of that going on. And this is a story about a charming young man called Tony Barrett who has married a, a older woman who he is not enamored with. 
She's, uh, let's say, she's got a very distinctive features. <laughs> oh, very much so. Looks like she could drop dead any second. <laughs> I think that was his plan. Yeah. Um, for the money, she's got lots of money, but he can't find it, and it's driving him crazy. Now, this is a bit of a weird story. Uh, it, like, it fits the pattern of like being very anti-woman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. He's like he spends the whole time looking for his money. He never once asks her where it is. <laughs> the most logical option, obviously, that's uh, yeah. off the table entirely. And we find out that the old woman is a rag. What is it? A rag picker? Yes. Yeah, a rag picker, which is apparently a real 1950s slur you can use on people. People. She goes, finds rags, and gives them to the rag man who keeps on showing up for for cash. And she gets lots of, she gets good money for it. So she sells to like a, is a rag picker like someone who works at like a thrift store or something? Is them getting? Oh well, the she's a rag picker, so she goes through people's bins and gets stuff. So basically, a bag person. Mm. And she gives it to the rag man who is like a. Uh, a guy who buys old stuff, old rags to, I don't know, use for something. This is all things that do not happen yeah, in this day and age, as far as I'm aware. Definitely not. Uh, but it, uh, I understand uh, you, you didn't actually, this one, this is the one you didn't get around to reading. And it's like, it's pretty slight. Uh, okay, so he, of course he murders his wife. That's the sort of guy he is. He murders her in the end? Yeah, he murders her. And he buries her in the basement. Oh, yeah. And then the twist at the end is that the rag man, who's been buying this rags off her, is in love with her, but he's actually a man made out of rag. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) A man made of rags. That's right. So he shoots him. uh, The baddie shoots him, and he's like, ah, it doesn't matter. And he sticks him in the back with a pick, and he says, there's no blood. You're not even flesh and bone. You're nothing but rags. <laughs> uh, yes, that's why I sent you to her. She needed more than me. I loved her, but I knew she could never love a rag man. Oh. And that's that's like the end of the issue. Yeah. Oh, and you can make money selling Christmas cards. <laughs> uh, and that twenty-five dollars or more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, let's talk about that. Do you, re- do you reckon seventy-five dollars in nineteen fifty-five would have been buco bucks? That would have been a fair amount of money. Yeah. Anyone looking at this wouldn't have had probably would. I mean, they may have had that money, but I mean, that sounds like a pretty damn good deal. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, I'm pretty sure that they would have like been ripping people off, as most of these uh, schemes tend to be. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a fitting little, like, uh, old-timey ad to close out the issue. Okay. Very nice. We've done it. We've talked about the comic code. We've gone through the whole book. Time for final judgments, folks. What do you reckon? Good, bad? Uh, good, bad, or weird? Weird. Straight up weird. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's a good weird. <laughs> yeah. I like, I... You can combine them. Yeah. That was definitely some weird but i mean especially i mean like i said before nostalgia wise and you telling us that secret fact that this was the last of these sort of comics or the one that really changed it all 
just adds to the nostalgia further. I mean, I, some of the stories were pretty good. I mean, they were definitely predictable and had some questionable uh, content within them. <laughs> but like, well beyond questionable. Yep. In terms of like uh, them being sort of comedy, I th- I think it's it's quite a good uh, a good comic. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with uh, Belinda. I'm gonna go good weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. it's like it's just so weird. I think reading these comics uh, through today's like eyes because mm. they're like i i read a i read a horror comic or two when i was growing up and none of them were as explicit as this for reasons that we now for the reason oh, yeah. i explained so yeah. reading through this was like wow they're really going for it <laughs> they're not holding back in this and i think first story nah it's really inconsequential yeah the second story was really well done really Mm. well done just for sort of ironic punishment story that you'd expect in this sort of thing and the third story was was a very it was just a really drawn out joke (laughs) (laughs) i think that was pretty like the person who wrote that probably had that joke set in their mind first and then was like how do i write a comic about oh, this. argue that that's the only way they said okay this guy wants to get ahead he needs to get ahead ahead okay head on a plate got it okay work your <laughs> yeah. way backwards and the last one was just a bit of a weird one we're just following up the uh misanthropic uh overall feel of a comic yeah but yeah as a, so yeah good weird very good uh, weird. absolutely cool cool and uh, before we wrap up talking about Tales from the Crypt, oh no, Crypt of Terror. Oh no, it's Tales from the Crypt, it's 46. Yeah. Um, yeah. What What did you learn from this comic? Now, it can be something to do with a comic. It can be something else. It can be some, like a thing that you learned about how you want to live your life. <laughs> well, Is there I anything you learned from this comic before we finish talking about it? I definitely want to get a heater so I can start warming my uh, buttocks on cold winter's <laughs> eve. <laughs> I mean, that's luxury, is it not? That is luxury. <laughs> Pulling up the slide that it's on right now. Yes, there it is. Absolute luxury right there. Look at his high socks and his little boxer shorts. <laughs> oh. I, I, love, I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, this was definitely a learning experience because the only comics I've ever been sort of the very PG ones where the good guy wins or you know the or something like that and I I mean I didn't realize that horror comics were such a large sort of uh, part of the culture back then I think I'll definitely have to go back before the um well before this issue and then try and find some more so I can read some yeah well there's plenty out there and I can make recommendations I'll do that I'll do make some recommendations in the recommendations part of a the podcast oh. hey yeah yeah great it's me using my brain up in the up <laughs> Linda, did you learn anything from this i think um it put in a lot of perspective for me of where a lot of horror movies probably started you know you could see where creators and directors movie writers just all of that jazz 
probably mm. read something like this or probably this comic itself and was like, I can make a movie out of this. I can do something along that line. Like when I when I said that the hallway of Blades just reminded me of Saw, like I've been always a big fan of horror things and horror movies and I think if I knew that these existed when I was a child, I probably would have looked oh, yeah. into it a lot more because I've I've always loved like Goosebumps and Stephen King and if you even knew true crime. Even if I knew that they existed, <laughs> honestly, I, let's blame my brothers for that. They're both significantly older than me. They could have could have gotten onto it and showed me first. They could have let you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I I truly 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 enjoyed this. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's so, that's great. And what I learned from this comic is. Like if you if you're having a hard time or you're like if you're a bad person, just watch out for the last page, okay? Because <laughs> if you if you're in the last page, things are going to go bad for you in a hurry. Oh, definitely, absolutely. <laughs> Karma yeah. comes crashing down. Yeah, once you reach page eight, get the fuck out of there because it's too <laughs> late. Get the fuck out, or prepare to start saying choke a number of times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great stuff. Okay. So I've got questions from the internet next. Uh, thanks, for, guys. It was such a great fun talking about this comic for you. I'm glad that you liked it. Yeah. I really did not know what you would think of this particular comic. Uh, and I'm glad that you found some redeeming aspects to it. Yeah, this is, this is great. A lot Thank of fun. you so much for having us as yeah. well. Oh, look, you guys, you're you're very entertaining human beings. Glad to have you on board. Thank you. Likewise, mate. <laughs> okay, so let me just check. We have a question from the internet. Uh, here we are. Okay, so this is a very last-minute thing because I'm, I'm I haven't been organized. I had a very busy weekend and then I were a very lazy public holiday. Nice. Uh, so. Uh, there's a question. I'll. Um, there's two questions here which I think are worth answering, and one which you probably won't be able to answer. Okay. So I'll throw this to you. Uh, and this is this is from Adam O'Sullivan, a local comedian. He asks, "Can comics be genuinely scary?" Huh. You know what? I think that there is a capability for. Uh, like in the third, no, sorry, second story, where they were really setting up the mood beyond just the site. Mm. I think that if you meet a lot of sort of different um, like, sensory standards, yeah, like if you explain it on different senses other than uh, sort of just sight, and then like continue on with that throughout the comic, it can be definitely, although. You can it, definitely put the picture in your head. That's that's for sure. Yeah. Mm. Having not only the picture on the, I mean, in the comic itself, but like the of, picture beyond the pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I guess, yeah. Is the answer? Yes. Yes is indeed the answer. <laughs> yeah. That's. I. I will agree. Yes, comics can be genuinely scary. Yeah. Uh, and I like. I will mention there is a Japanese. Or oh, a comic. I think I know what you're about to. Junji Ito. Yeah. Junji Ito. Uh, he does stuff that is so freaky. Mm. 
so uh, Uzumaki is the one that sticks in my mind. It's just about it's about a town that is destroyed by a shape. I love that by a shape. It's like suddenly spirals take on like everything turns into a spiral, and spirals take on this horrible, un unearthly, unworldly significance and like it's truly horrific uh yeah there's been there's been movie versions of it as they're, they're bringing out a cartoon version of it soon shortly but oh that's like just one of his horrific horrific comic books that he's done i'm uh obsessed with like a uh, sort of uh, lovecraft fiction and like a uh, cosmic horror and things like that oh, and yeah. i have seen some uh junji ito's some of their work before um, it, mm. it's quite quite creepy yeah it it'll it gets into your brain and claw, crawls around a bit definitely which is yeah. what the I'm best horror the people do the illustrations are just amazing yeah i really want a tattoo <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, good luck finding one that'll be like you want to have on your body. Oh yeah, I can, I already see a few. There's a cat with like I think an eyeball insect in its mouth. Oh, I'll get that <laughs> on my calf or something. That'd be great. Yeah. Oh, great stuff. <laughs> uh, okay, now my skin's crawling. Fantastic. Uh, okay, so that's the question from the internet answered. Great stuff. Um, and that brings us on to our second final the penultimate if you will uh section of the podcast which is recommendations what would you recommend instead of or as well as tales from recrypt issue number 46 for people to do it doesn't have to be a comic it can be anything that this makes you think of or anything like that got any recommendations guys all i could think of when we were talking about the different types of comics especially when you said the Archie comments was uh, comics was just Riverdale on Netflix. I love Riverdale on Netflix. <laughs> I I knew it was from a comic as well, so I was like, oh yeah, that one exists. And I don't know, I really liked it. Being a being a girl, I really liked mm-hmm. that one. And it's got like the twist of like adventure and mystery and murder, and I love all those things. So I'd recommend that for sure. As- oh. Sounds good. Oh, Sounds legit. Oh, yeah. I, I'm fairly certain I may have read along the lines of sort of the classic monsters like the werewolf, uh, the vampire. I'm fairly certain Count Dracula is a pretty common enemy of Doctor Strange. So please go and look up those issues where he's going to. Uh, I think that's right. Is that right, Brad? That is correct. Do- yeah. Dracula is writ large in the Marvel Universe. Yes. So go and, uh, listen to I'll read that, sorry. There is even a time when he fought the X-Men. Oh, that's so cool. He fought the X-Men? Yeah. Oh my god. Yep. So Dracula is public domain, so they can get away with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. There's there's a number of werewolves in Marvel Comics too, isn't there? There is indeed. Yeah. Those would be my recommendations. I don't know what they're called, but go and find them. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Tomb of Dracula by Marv Wolfman, who sounds like a horror beast himself. Yeah. 
Okay, and oh yeah, and my recommendation is going to be for a for a book and a movie, both called Creep Show. Creep Show. Creep Show. That sounds fun. This is a collaboration between uh, Stephen King, nice, and George A. Romero, creator of uh, Dawn of the Dead. Wow, oh my God, you're speaking my language. <laughs> and it's inspired by EC Comics. Oh so my there's, gosh. There's a movie which is like a collection of short stories, just like a comic. Yeah. Uh, and it's got oh, it's got all these famous people. It's got Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson and oh my God. Uh, I think Steve Goodenberg and wow. uh, Stephen King appears himself in one of the stories as a hillbilly. Oh, yes. He always has to be a cameo somewhere in his Yeah. So the movie is great. It's a great cheesy horror action. I think there's three or four stories. Yeah. Uh, and the, there's a comic book version of the movie as well, so you can get the full experience. Nice. So Which that's my recommendation. Go for Creepshow, King, Romero. It's great. Nice. Which would you recommend uh, partaking in first, the comic or the movie? Uh, definitely the movie. Okay. All right, I don't know what I'm doing with the rest of my day then. It's <laughs> <laughs> my only day off this week, so I'm like, yep, that's on the list. Right on. Actually, I'm going to – I think you might get me to do the same thing. I haven't watched that <laughs> in ages. Yeah. Uh, and reading this old comic has really got me hankering for it. Yeah. Okay, so that's it, except for the last, very, very last part of the podcast, which is plugs. Is there anything you guys would like to plug? Well, all of our stuff can be accessed at our website, youmeanapolterguys.com. Yep, easy as that. Easy as that. Instagram, Patreon, everything, all there in the one place. And you can oh, wow. submit your own stories of paranormal experiences to be featured on our podcast. So, yeah. There we go. Sounds good. Very organized. Uh, is there, is there, can you give us a sample on what's coming up with you being a poltergeist? Sure. Uh, this week, I am going to be talking about a story uh, surrounding a sort of cryptid. Uh, if you know what a cryptid is, Brad, it's like yes, a. That is a, a mythical beast. Yes. yes. A mythical beast of Arizona in the late 1800s called the Red Devil which was essentially oh, wow. a uh, giant red camel which went stomping around and killed a bunch of people. Wow, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, and I'll be talking about a, um, like a ghost kind of apparition demonic spirit from Thailand that has been active since 1990 to this year. Yeah, cool. What? Yeah. <laughs> Killing men. Oh, kills men. <laughs> kills men. Is it a g -g -g ghost? It's a g -g ghost. <laughs> Choke. <laughs> Their famous last word. <laughs> oh, well. Belinda, Braden, it's been a blast having you both here. Um, thank you very much for making some time to be part of Troubling Issues. If you ever want me on your podcast, I can come on, but I have had nothing spooky happen to me ever. So, <laughs> thank you so much for having us this last time. Yeah, thank My you. Just haven't stopped hurting since the beginning. I've been smiling so much. So, oh, this wow. is great. High <laughs> praise indeed. Thank you very much. 
And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And that is it for this episode of Troubling Issues. Bye. Bye. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.